with Kim Rubel. To say I'm excited about this podcast is a definite understatement, Zach. Did I not just drive you crazy about getting our guest on? You this? have been talking about this guest for a long time. I'm so excited. So, so, you know, for me, like great leaders and great writers are like rock stars for me. I mean, it's like Def Leppard for me. You know, but Def Leppard in the 80s. Well, you don't know because you're too young. But our guests will know, I'm sure, from back like in the 80s, how these rock bands just had these. That is what I feel about our guest. I'm telling you, Dr. Tim Elmore is on today on LOL. Let, can Just indulge me and let me just brag on him for a little bit. Do it. Y'all, he's a leadership coach and has been for over 40 years. He's worked with John Maxwell for decades. He's the founder and CEO of Growing Leaders. It's an Atlanta-based nonprofit. He's a sought-after speaker, writer, and he has a new book out that I am obsessed with. So any of you listening, if you want to know how to lead and when, I'm not just talking about businesses, y'all. I'm talking about how to lead even your families. You must get this book. It's called Eight Paradoxes of Great Leadership. And everybody give a warm welcome to Dr. Tim Elmore, my rock star. Do- <laughs> That's a rock star applause. We're going to let the applause go for like a let long time. Let it go for time. a little longer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He deserves it. He deserves it. Welcome, Tim. I'm just going to call you Tim because I feel like I've known you after reading your book. Kim, why do I feel like my mother just introduced me or my aunt Kim <laughs> just introduced me? My goodness hey, gracious. Listen, you can Thank call me you. Aunt Kiki. That's okay. what my nephews okay. and nieces call me. <laughs> no, okay. I mean, I'm a that big fan. Good. I'm a big fan. And I just, I don't want to talk. I want you to talk. But your ideas and your approach to modern day leadership, I think is for such a time as this. I really do. Yeah. Not only in the world and business, just in life in general. Give us a little bit of background of how you got to this conclusion of leadership and what are some of those eight paradoxes that yeah. we need to focus yeah. on? Well, Kim, you and I were just talking about the fact that there's kind of an old school and a new school <laughs> of thinking. And I think leaders, whether it's a home or a business, mm-hmm. have figured out I'm leading humans. Uh, The pandemic brought that to light. We had worker bees before that just did their job from 830 to 5 at the office. And then we moved home, remember, for a while. And we realized how anxious. Yeah. Yeah. And we got anxious and we got a little scared. And I think uh, bosses everywhere. Can I say it that way? Bosses everywhere realized I've got to be real. Mm. I've got to be genuine and authentic. So the eight paradoxes were really... um, social intelligence and emotional intelligence skill sets that I think moms everywhere kind of get with their children and their husband, perhaps. But we try. I think, well, yeah, you do. But I think, mm-hmm. seriously, I think females kind of get this quicker than males. Mm-hmm. I know that's a stereotype, perhaps. I think males just kind of get result oriented. We just, let's just get the yeah. work done. In fact, let me just say a phrase. When I started my career, the mantra of almost every workplace was, Leave your personal problems at the door. Come in and get your work done. You know, today it's bring your whole selves to work, Mm. isn't it? Which means emotions and baggage and all (laughs) kinds of things. So we better be ready to be that leader, but that coach, that motivational speaker, that therapist. I don't mean this literally, but we better be ready to, to be human. And so that's kind of what drove 
the book. Yeah. Well, you know, because you talk about emotional intelligence and emotional leadership yeah. in the book. What, what does that mean, Tim? Yeah. What does that really mean in the context of a role of leadership? So emotional intelligence is a subject that got put on the map in 1995 by Daniel Goleman, although it's been a term that's been around for a century. It's really the management of one's emotions. And oh mm. my goodness, do we not see the need for that on mm. social media today? Um, but it really means the leader, male or female, old or young, single or married, is able to look at the people in front of them and lead them or influence them based on who they are, not just who I am. So I'm reading before I'm leading. Uh, and I, I see perhaps my son or daughter at home and their face is screaming, I am scared to death or I'm anxious or I'm depressed or I'm having a panic attack. And instead of just saying, well, suck it up and have some grit. What's wrong with your generation? We need to say, I need to lead with empathy. They need to feel heard and understood. Then I have earned the right to guide them. I know you believe that, Kim. This is what you're all about. I just think we have not gotten that until this pandemic happened. We suddenly had an epiphany and people are leaving all the time. And we need to we need to figure out a way to earn the right to lead them. This is going to be a, maybe a strange question, but I'm going to lead. I'm going to ask this question from a from a leader standpoint in owning, okay, in running my own companies and having employees and having you know partners. Yeah. What happens as a leader if you don't quite yet have the capacity to have that empathy and that emotional intelligence yeah, yeah. to lead? Because to me, that's the epidemic. It, it's it's the quality of leaders that were, I mean, I just yes. know for me, it's yeah. very challenging sometimes when I have to be yeah. at deadlines. I'm like, come on, girl, I ain't got time for all this. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm trying to, you know, it's the <laughs> yes. truth. Like yes. what advice yeah. can you give to us leaders to be that, that type of, you know, example? Yeah, boy, that's a great question, and probably probably one that deserves two hours of a of a d- discussion. From <laughs> I think research. that's your I'll next give book. You a yeah, there you go. Yeah, thank you. This is going to be a five parter. Um, everybody, this is a five part series. <laughs> yeah, a five part series. I'll take it. I I tell you what, one of our leaders at Growing Leaders, our organization, would be that person. It, it's a male. He would say, it, well, in his Strengths Finder assessment, empathy is number. It's the second to the last one. Okay. So he would tell you if he were honest, and he is honest, he would say, I just don't get it. You know, naturally, yeah, I don't naturally empathize. In fact, we smile. He says, My version of empathy is to say to a person, I'm so sorry you have to die. You know, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, yeah. Listen, yeah. yeah. I have many family members like that. I'm not naming names, but I do. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So I think what I've encouraged him to do is begin with real. In other words, sit Mm. down with a team member uh, and say, I got to tell you, I'm just so, this is so not my strength, but I so want to connect with you. You express that heartfelt desire in whatever language you have to keep it real. So let me give you a metaphor that might be helpful for your listeners. We teach leadership with with images. In fact, we call them habitudes. Habitudes are images that form Mm. leadership habits and attitudes. One of my favorites is called guard dogs and guide dogs. So we have given canines many jobs over the years. Two of the most popular jobs are the guard dog and the guide dog. The difference is big. A guard dog is out there on some piece of property, sniffing, growling, barking, suspicious of intruders, you know, that sort of thing. A guide dog is just the opposite. I mean, they're often paired with someone who is seeing impaired. 
In fact, I remember speaking to Virginia a few years ago, and there was a blind man that spoke right before I did. His guide dog led him up the steps onto the platform, walked him over to the podium, sat down right next to the podium so he knew right right where to stand. The dog knew when the speech was over, walked him off, walked him down the steps. And after they sat down, the dog and the man, I thought, oh my gosh, what a great leader. And I wasn't talking about the human. Right. So, So in a nutshell, here's the deal. A guard dog's job is to protect. A guide dog's job is to partner. Mm-hmm. I think leaders now need to say, my people are seeing impaired. They can't see what's ahead, nor can I all the way. Right. But someone's got to go first, just leave. like a guide dog. Someone's got to be vulnerable. Someone's got to take initiative. And if I'll do that, oh my gosh, do I win the hearts of those who follow? So I have had to, the last two years, I've had to lean into my team and say, guys and gals, I'm kind of scared too. This is something, this isn't is, it? Yeah, it's not known. Yeah, yeah. But at least I'm real. They go, well, he's not faking it until he makes it. He's he's at least leaning in and being human with us. So um, I think that guide dog, if that's helpful listeners, to be a guide dog and say, mm-hmm. my children or my team need someone to go first and maybe be vulnerable and transparent. Oh, my Authentic. goodness. Authentic. Yes, that's really what it is. It's authenticity. And, but yeah. don't you think, Tim, that we are desperate for authenticity? I often say this, like, because I come from a reality TV background, and people yeah. will accept anything yeah. that's authentic. I, I mean, mm-hmm. even if you're authentically mean on reality TV, yeah. They, yeah. they can't get enough of it. it it's not even yeah. about yeah. being the me. It's just that, are they really like that? You know, I get that all the time. Yeah. And you talk about authenticity in the book. Yes. I can't remember I what chapter that is, but I, of course, I, yeah. I've got yellow marks all throughout the book. Why do people connect with that? Is it a trust? Is it a. Yeah. Yeah. Is, I it, think in, it's is trust. it intuitive? Okay. I think it is. I think you hit the nail on the head. Here's why. Uh, we work a lot with young leaders. Our, mm. our whole goal at Growing Leaders is to prepare the next generation of leaders to be ready. So I was talking to a university student a few years ago. And I was noticing many of the professors or staff members on that college campus were trying so hard to stay hip and cool and, you know, wear skinny jeans or whatever it was they were doing. <laughs> and he, he looked at me and said, Dr. Tim, the only thing, only thing worse than being uncool is being unreal. Wow. Isn't that interesting? And he was young. So, yeah. So he would look at me and say, you don't have to be cool. I'm not looking to, to you for cues on, on cool. Now. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm looking to you for real. And the good news is if I'm 22 or 62, I can be real. It never is out of my Why do you think reach. That, do you think that's a generational thing? Because I remember I, I, I'm 50. So growing up, everything yeah. was fake, fake, fake. I mean, as fake as you could yeah. be with the yeah. better. Do you think that yeah. is they they the young generation they've got our number or they get it better more than us? What do you, why do you think that that's very encouraging? I will say that. Yeah, yeah, I think it is too. Well, here's what I think. I think every generation of young, every young generation, yeah. at least the last three or four generations, have wanted authenticity. The baby boomers wanted authenticity. Yeah, yeah. authenticity in the 1960s. Yeah, when yeah, the demonstrations and the riots were going. The problem is there's always a new version of artificial. So today, mm. Gen Z wants real, but it's the most fake social media. Oh, you're doctoring yeah. up your photos. You're filtering Thank God your for photos. Photoshop, Tim. Don't we yeah. can't hate Photoshop? Okay, <laughs> we got it. Listen, I use. Pho- I see, love it. 
but don't you see the paradox of that? Yeah. Yeah. You want real, but we are so fake. Facade. So I yeah. think when you truly get the genuine article in your leader or your mom or whatever, that your generation to. goes, oh, I love that. I love that. So I I think um, even with my own kids, well, can I just share a funny Please. story? This is so random. But since this is laugh out loud, <laughs> we're going to do this. Yeah. So I'm with I'm with my friend recently. Both were older adults. We're not young hip team uh, hipsters anymore. You seem hip to me. Just full. full well, disclosure. you're so sweet. You're so sweet. <laughs> so he grabs his iPhone and says to Siri, "Is Tim Elmore cool?" Uh-uh. Just to see what just to oh, see no. what Siri would say. And get this, get this. <laughs> Siri came back immediately and said, "Tim Elmore gave up being cool in the year 2000." <laughs> And the reason Siri said that is because I had written an article that was now online where I talked about being a dad. And I said, my kids don't need me. They don't need a pal. They need a parent. They don't need some person that's trying to be cool. They need a genuine leader in their home. And all I was saying was that, but it was so funny where Tim Elmore gave up being cool in the year 2000. So here I am 22, 23 years later. Yeah, but you're getting it back again, Tim. Good news. You're going to pick up that mantle of cool again. I believe. I believe. You mentioned parenting, and I think it's so so hard, Tim. I'm 50. I have a 12-year-old and a 14-year-old. I never sit on a clean Mm. toilet seat. Uh, They always smell like butt. Uh, Their teeth... To brush their teeth, it's like, honestly, if I get them to brush their teeth on their own, I think I'll just raise their allowance by $50 that week. I mean, that's how. Yeah. yeah, yeah talk yes. about leadership as parents and how yeah, these yeah. paradoxes, how do you motivate these young people in mm. the home and lead our kids yeah. to a brighter and better future? Yeah. Well, I do think it starts with what we just talked about, being, being authentic. I cringe mm-hmm. when I listen to middle school or high school students in our focus groups that will say, when I get home from school, I never see my mom. She's on what? Facebook, on the bed, or when she's cooking, she's on her phone, stirring the, the rice or whatever. And I'm going, mama, your children want time oh with gosh. you. So uh, so we need to stop that and be fully be present. present. We just need okay. to be. Yeah, that's right. But secondly- the, And I'm guilty of that. I just want well, to tell I everybody, too. I'm guilty, yeah, that too. Yeah, 100%. Okay. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's, see, there you're, you're being real. You're not that's saying I'm being perfect. I mean, you just, yeah, that's you right. just, you know, I just got that little prick that it's says, so hard. okay, yeah. Kim, put the phone down. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So the second big idea is I think we've done a much better job, or maybe a better way to say it, Kim, is we've pursued preparing the path for the child instead Come of the on. child for the path. Come on. You know that. Say that so again because I interrupted much, you. Say that again. Okay. We've done a much better job preparing the path for the child instead of the child for the path. So in other words, moms and dads listening, you know, we want to clear the way for our children. If they forget their backpack at school, we rush it down to them because God knows we don't want any, you know, uh, discomfort. And I'm saying, no, 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 no. Say, sweetheart, I'm tied up right now. Go ahead and navigate that with your teacher. You'll learn problem solving skills in the process, but you know, I love you. So I don't think we, we don't want them to be, have any moment of unhappiness. And I think why is that text them? Why do we not want to be? Cause I mean, I'm going to full disclosure, tell everybody right now. And I want you to say, I don't want it to be a bad reflection on me as a parent. 
Yes, that's right. Okay. It's more about us than them. We are living out our unlived life through our children uh, and we're wanting it to be better for them. Yep. yep. So plus I also tend to think that we look at our children and they're so stressed with all that's yeah, going on. We go, well, are. good God, I don't want to add one more stressor. So let me ease the pain. And so we ease the pain, but that's not getting them ready for 25 right. years old when they're on their own. So I say, listeners, let's pre- let's not only protect them, let's prepare them. Yeah. And let's give equal time to preparation than protection. Yeah. Well, it is a scary world out there, but I, you know, I hear myself talking like my parents did. These kids, this yeah. music, this yeah. technology. I mean, yeah. you know, I'm I'm there, you know, I'm my mom yeah. and dad. Yeah. What is the bright hope for our young people? You know, for a, for a mom out there or a dad listening yeah. that have those teenagers, is it as bad as we are imagining it or is there a lot of hope for our future? Oh, with our lots of hope. And the reason I do what I do is because I am so hopeful. Think about this for just a moment. Generation Z, the children, well, Generation Z and the Alpha generation are the two youngest generations, okay? What's an Alpha? Uh, alpha follows Z. So following Z comes another A. We're going okay. back to the beginning of the alphabet, okay? <laughs> so, yeah, I know. It's crazy. It's crazy. The Alpha generation would be early childhood. Generation Z would really be the kids starting at the turn of the century all the way up to okay. 2016. Um, I believe they feel very empowered by that smart portable device they have Mm -hmm. in their hand. Mm -hmm. And so kids are asking Google questions that used to ask mom and dad, or we used to ask mom and dad. I just talked to a parent recently that said, I'm not having the same conversations with my children that I used to have with my mom and dad way back in the day. And I said, well, guess what? They have a device in their head. They're asking Alexa, Siri, and Google these questions. So they don't need us for information. They need us for interpretation. Let me help you make sense of all that you know. I know you watch 17 YouTube videos. Now let me give context to the content. That's the issue of the day. By by the way, that's our issue today. We're tweeting about stuff. We have no idea what we're talking about. Well, I say this. I say a lot of times... There's a bunch of experts out there with absolutely no experience. You know, I mean, <laughs> you know, so I did, I, it, it's the truth. That's what yeah. I said. But let me ask yeah. you this about what you're talking about interpretation and phones and all this technology. How, because yeah. there's moms out there listening going, first of all, it's easy. But second of all, yeah. should we be limiting phone time? Should we really be managing that? Is that part of the preparation? Yeah, I think the data says yes. Okay. And here's what I mean. If you did a meta-analysis on the hours spent on social media from, let's say, teenagers, okay? Here's what we have found that's almost, it's an epiphany for me. If you spend, as a teenager, less than two hours a day on social media on your smartphone, you're measurably less vulnerable to anxiety and depression. Two hours. Once you go above two hours, you are measurably more vulnerable. So I shared that with my two kids who are young adults and, and my son immediately go, I'm going to cut back on my social media because he didn't want to be anxious. So I think listeners, if you just said, let me share the research on this less than two hours, it's so amazingly less uh, vulnerable to panic Mm. attacks and anxiety and depression. Mm. But you know, this, we get FOMO fear of missing out. We get FOMU, fear of messing up. That's another one I'm seeing in teenagers today. Yeah, we have this inordinate fear of failure. 
I think we can reduce that if we just say, let's do face-to-face. Let's, let's be with each other. Let's laugh and hug and, and touch appropriate, you know, appropriately, but no, no, you know no, what no, I mean. you, be, be present yeah. with each other. Yes, yes. Yes. I think that creates better adults in the end. And by the it, way, one more thing. Go ahead. Mothers listening, parents listening, you're not just raising children. You're raising future adults. Amen. If you keep that in mind, you make a much better decision today for your kids. <laughs> yeah, if, if they make it to adulthood, full disclosure, y'all, I'm I'm two steps away. I mean, I've I've been I've been I, my new thing is I'm getting an apartment. I can't deal with y'all. Yes, I'm yes, yes. And I'm yeah. a crazy type of parent, yeah. so my kids know mom's just loud and crazy. So they yes, just, but, yeah, yeah. I'm serious. So all the parents out there, let's stand together. And I love that. Prepare them. And it's hard work, Tim. Yes. It's hard work being a parent. Yeah. No doubt about it. That's the toughest leadership role of all. It is. I think parenting is the ultimate act of leadership. Well, Mm -hmm. one, you don't get paid to do it. They don't get paid to, you know, you're not paying. It costs me. It's it's true. It's (laughs) true. So no doubt about it. It's big. But let me real quick, in light of your former question, let me jump to one of these paradoxes. Okay. So the very first paradox in the book, we all immediately get it when we hear it, but we go, oh, but you rarely see that together. I think uncommon leaders at home or work are both confident and humble. Yes. So we all know that we're not going to follow an unconfident leader. People need to see confidence in their leader. They need to see a sense of, yeah, we're going to make this. We're going to do it. Yes, that's right. At the same time, however, if we're overconfident and we have no humility in the process, they're going to go, what are you smoking? You know, (laughs) what are you drinking right now? You're not that good. You know, you're not that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So here's what I believe. Confidence makes my leadership believable. But humility makes my confidence believable. If I show a little humility and authenticity and I realize, gosh, we're going to need to work together to get this done. Suddenly my team goes, oh, you get it. You need me. I think our children are the same way. If they see that in mom, confidence and humility, they're ready to follow mom because they go, she's real. Skip the meal prep this summer with Factors Ready to Eat Meals and enjoy all these warmer and sunnier days, y'all. Head on over to factormeals.com slash Kim50 and use code Kim50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off of your next month while the subscription is active. I love my Factor Meals and I've started hiding them from my family because they love the weekly menu of 35 options and the more than 60 add-ons like breakfast, on-the-go lunch, even snacks and beverages. I'm telling you, they've got everything to help you feel good about what you're eating all day long. Y'all, they're delicious. They're high quality, chef prepared, absolutely never frozen. And they're on the table in less than two minutes. Factor meals eliminate all the hassle of prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. Y'all, I don't have time for all of that. All you do is simply heat it up and savor the good stuff. Head on over to factormeals.com slash Kim50 and use code Kim50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off of your next month. That's code Kim50 at factormeals.com slash Kim50 to get 50% off your first box plus an extra 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Hopefully you won't have to hide your factor meals like I do because they're that good. Maybe you will. 
Are you overworked, underpaid, exhausted, but love your kids so much and want to be the best mama for them? How about the best version of you? You deserve that. I'm Gianna Demedio simon And I'm Casey McDonnell-Hosmer, and we are moms who absolutely love our new roles in life. But man, were we not prepared for some of the fine print in the job description. We want a connection with our children and our partner that doesn't come at the cost of the relationships with our own selves. We're helping you mother up every Monday on your favorite podcast player. Also, check us out on YouTube, youtube.com slash at motheruppod. The reason I love the book so much is that it is a beautifully doable action items. I mean, these paradoxes are really, they're simple. (laughs) They're not easy, but they're really simple to practice. That's right. Yeah. You know, I mean, they're not easy. Just, and I think they're not, I think we, I resonated with the book because it was in my knower that I said, yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's true leadership. It really, really is. It's not this bravada. It, it really is that authenticity. Correct. That's right. How in this ever-changing world do we as leaders become fluid in changing and ebbing and flowing, not only with our coworkers and our partners in business, but also with this ever-changing economy? And like, how do you navigate yeah. that as a leader for anybody listening? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. The first thing that comes to my mind, Kim, is another paradox If you remember, one of the paradoxes was that uncommon leaders are both stubborn and open-minded. Yes. Now that's that's brilliant. I thought that was a brilliant chapter. Yeah. 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 So I have a case study for each one of these. And my case study on that one was Truett Cathy, the founder of Chick-fil-A. Who I adore. Who started it. Oh, Mm -hmm. I do too. Yeah, me too. So Truett was very stubborn on his core. So if you're a mama or if you're a leader at work or whatever, whatever leadership role you have, you need to know what your core is and say, I am absolutely strong-willed and stubborn about these. And non-negotiable. That's right. They're yeah. non-negotiables. In the home, we have our core values for our family. We're going to live by these. Right. Okay. But on almost everything else, because of the rapidly changing world we live in, I got to be open-minded. Yeah. So here's my action item for that one. I, I have an action item list for each one of these chapters. Y'all got to get and the book. Kim, I'm practicing this one right now because I wasn't I wasn't good on this one. <laughs> I know I was right right You're into right myself basically. <gasps> right, right. Yeah, exactly. So here's my action item. When I speak, I want to speak as if I'm right. right. But when I listen, I want to listen as if I'm wrong. That means my children. I'm listening to my kiddos. Come on, Tim. I know. <laughs> and when I think about having teens or 20-something, they I do know. not feel like we listen to them. We don't. And uh, if just I would listen as if, mm. and my face shows it when I think, I, you might be right, son. Oh, my gosh. It wins them at the heart level. Can You, you can see so, it physically. Uh, you can see yes. it physically. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. It, sometimes we forget that people are human. Like, I yeah, love your too. book it's because true. it just has this humanness yeah. about it almost yeah. and don't take this the wrong way and but it has this spiritual soulful aspect to your book it's not just yeah. this is how yeah. you lead in seven habits and yeah. da, da, da. it yeah. it's really has a a sense of humanness to it and i think yeah. 
That's why I connected with it so much, Tim. I really do. Yeah. It, it, well, it's you are inspired. a very, you are a very human woman, which I love <laughs> about you. Seriously, I really do. I just when I saw what you're all about, I just fell in love with you as well. Same. I think that's what we've got to do, and I think that means I need to be both as a leader result oriented and relationship oriented and those are very difficult to marry because we tend to do one or the other really well, well we are the getting results done but we steamroll over 17 people in the process yeah or we're so into relate we got a bunch of good fellowship but we're not getting our goals achieved <laughs> we're not, we're not making important. the numbers yeah that, that's right exactly so i know that's hard it's hard for me as well but um i just think that's the order of the day well, I think you're definitely for such a time as this when it comes to leading leaders. And um, it has blessed my heart. I cannot wait. I'm a fan. Y'all, I'm telling you, you got to go get this book, Eight Paradoxes of Great Leadership, because it truly will change not only your business, because I have a lot of people that are in business, but also like your family. And that's the biggest business of all. Mm-hmm. If we don't yeah, get that right, is. who cares what you build outside of that home? I mean, seriously. Absolutely. One Ugh. phrase I've lived by, and my, I'll say it to my wife very often, if it doesn't work at home, I'm not going to export it, you know? So, <laughs> so I, I need to make sure that I'm practicing what I'm preaching here. And you know what? One thing John Maxwell said to me years ago when I was in my 20s, and I've never forgotten it. I love him. Six. I do too. Yes. He's done so much for me. Uh, one thing I loved that John Maxwell taught me back in my 20s was this definition for success. He said, I believe my success can be defined as having the love, respect of those who are closest to me. Mm. So, yeah, I can win the respect of my Twitter followers who don't even really know me out there. But if I have my wife and my children say, gosh, I respect that. He practices what he preaches. Now I've won. Right, right. So that's I good. really believe we got to start at home. And that's our that's our laboratory to practice what we take yeah. out of the four walls of our home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I don't really, as much as I do care, I, I don't care as much what somebody in Zimbabwe is thinking about me, be, <laughs> you know, because I said something really pithy on social media. What I want to do is win them at the heart level at home. So Ugh, that's it. That's all yeah. it's about. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. One of the stories I tell in the book that I think illustrates what we're talking about, Kim, right now, um, I love music. I've always loved music. But one of the rock bands I followed for, gosh, at least three and a half decades now is U2. Oh, uh, yes. Bono. Yeah, yes. yeah. They've been around forever. So uh, when they started, I think it was in the late 70s. So this is like decade five for them. They decided we're not just going to be a music band. We're going to, that's going to be our platform right. for a mission. They were a mission oriented team, yes. not just band. So they came up with a mission statement yep. and some core values, and they were all going to be about justice, social justice. In fact, Bono is still the spokesman for in poverty. Now, you know, make poverty history. Yeah. And wherever they do concerts, they always have this message of social justice, which I love. But one of their core values was, we're going to make decisions together as a team. And if we're debating about it, we're not going to leave the room until we've come to a common agreement. So, and you can imagine with a family, that's hard. I mean, they're not a family, but you know, you and I, we, well, we might never leave together long enough. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's right. Absolutely. So here's the cool part of the story. In 1985, you two had just written and recorded a song 
called In the Name of Love. It's one of their greatest songs of all time. And it's really about Dr. Martin Luther King and what he stood for. And they were doing a tour where they sang the song and they were helping to lobby for making Dr. King's uh, birthday a national holiday. So every time Bono would get up at the concert and before we would sing the song, he would talk about Dr. King and how this needs to be a holiday and that he would sing the song. Well, in one of the cities that they were going to, he got hate mail. Sure. It was some white supremacist that wrote a letter and said, if you sing that song in my city, uh, you're going to find a bullet right between your your eyes, you know, during the concert. I know it it was crazy. Well, the band met and said, Bono, let's just drop the song from the playlist for this one city. It's not a big deal. It's not worth your life. We'll drop it and we'll pick it back up in the next city. Well, Bono argued, but this is our mission. You know, right. this is the stubborn, open-minded. Core values. This yes. is our mission. Yeah, that's right. We got to live by our core values. Well, they debated and debated and debated. I think it was for two or three hours until finally Bono won over the other four guys, three band members and their agent. So Bono said in an interview, I stepped up to the microphone. I talked and he said, I decided I would just close my eyes and begin to sing because I didn't know. If a bullet, if I would never sing another, that's right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So he closed his eyes and he began to sing the song. And he said, I kept singing and singing and singing. And he said, finally, toward the end of the song, I opened my eyes to find out why I was not shot at. And he said, that's when I discovered what was going on. Each of my band members were stepping in front of me. Stop. To take the bullet. Stop. Wow. And I thought to myself, man, that's a team I want to play on. Me too. That's the kind of people. But you see, that's authenticity. That's relationship. That's core values. It's everything we just talked about. And that takes um, work. Work to build those relationships. It doesn't happen overnight. It happens over time. Yeah. Yeah. So. Oh, that just gave me cold chills. Yeah. That's what we Wouldn't you love to be on a team that would step in front of you? Yes. To take a bullet. Yes. And I would love to be that person that would do that as yes. well. You know what I'm saying? Like yes, absolutely. That kind of um, unity. In, yeah. And not, not, yeah. not this fake unity thing that you see all over the internet, just words. I'm talking action. Yeah. And that's absolutely. what your book does. I'm telling you, Dr. Tim Elmore, that's what your book does. It does. I promise <laughs> you, it's got something on it. That's all I'm going to say. I'm going to quit preaching. <laughs> All right, quit preaching, Kim. I can't let you go, uh, Tim, without having a little bit of fun. Um, Kim does not know this is coming, but we are going to do... Zack Attack. Oh, Lord. Hold on, Tim. (laughs) Tim, this is a segment that we like to do on the show um, to have a little bit of fun with our guests where we play a game. And today, the game I have prepared for you um, is something I stole from one of my favorite podcasts on Planet Money. It's called overrated or underrated oh Ooh. all right so i'm gonna list some things um and you both so tim and kim um need to tell me if you think this thing is overrated underrated or correctly rated by society okay, okay. this isn't just you this is society okay tim you go first <laughs> okay okay all right okay all right yeah i'll i'll take the bullets yeah you, okay. you take all the right. bullet there I'm so, I'm yeah. so, Kim's yeah. Bono and you're, yeah, you're stepping in front of her. For, yeah, yeah. He's, he's, he's taking the bullet. <laughs> okay, let's go. First one, Atlanta, Georgia. Mm. Good luck with that one, Tim. Yeah. 
I live in Atlanta and I think it's underrated by those outside of Atlanta. So if I looked at where they would, they, I don't know that they realize the gift that's here in this city. So that would be my response by those outside of Atlanta, probably underrated. What do you think, Kim? I agree. Yeah. I agree with you because, um, you know, I'm in the TV business. So for me, it's the Hollywood of the South. And yeah, there's yeah. so many great people here doing great work. Like you said, definitely. You, when you come to Atlanta and you come to Georgia, you don't want to leave. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, People don't know that. Awesome. Okay. Ready? Here's the next one. Starting a side hustle. Mm. Ooh. Wow. Um, boy, in my opinion, I think... And this is just me, obviously, but I think it's correctly rated. I, I think both of my kids have side hustles. They're young professionals. I think we're in the gig economy where there are gigs going on all the time. <laughs> Someone said the corporate ladder has become the corporate lily pad. And I think that's happening. <laughs> so, yeah, that's right. We're hopping around, baby. Yeah. So I think it's accurately rated, at least by the people that I'm with. Yeah. Well, and I would even say it's a little underrated because I wouldn't mm. be where I was unless I did a side hustle. I yes. mean, I worked yes. all day, paid my bills, yep. and then worked the nights and weekends, took my vacation to build my business. Yeah. So I think people I think should have right. a little bit more people should have side hustles. So I would yeah, agree with I you. I agree. Yeah, I like that a lot. I feel like the the next lily pad is like my career feels like Frogger. So, you know, I worked in TV for a long time and I'm just dodging those cars. I'm jumping. I'm trying to cross that street, but without getting yep. smashed, you know, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. All right. Here's one that I'm, I'm really interested to get your take on this, because when I was doing a little bit of research about you, Tim, I saw that you homeschooled your kids. So mm. overrated or underrated homeschooling your kids. Ooh. I think it's underrated. Um, you know, there's a whole subculture that some of which was good and some of which was not always good. And there's a trade-off, you know, your kids, you're going to have to be more intentional with your children to socialize them and make sure you build emotional intelligence. Uh, one of our rules in our house was however many hours you have in front of a screen, you have equal hours face-to-face -face with real people. So you build EQ and technology skill sets in your life. So I, um, yeah, I think I think there's so much potential when parents get involved, that involved in really schooling their kids with life skills, not just reading, writing, arithmetic. So that would be my answer there. Yeah, I think it's definitely I agree with Tim is underrated for different reasons, just because people who homeschool their kids are superheroes because I could never do it. Mm, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so it's yeah. definitely underrated. That's 100 yeah. percent how I feel. Yeah. I'm just like, you know, like I, bravo to all the you, you don't get paid enough or even get the credit enough. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I feel yeah. like I couldn't do it. Me and my wife both no. teach at the university level. I still feel like I couldn't do it. There's no way I could do it. <laughs> um, all right. Writing a book. Mm. Wow. Underrated or overrated? Well, I'm going to say, gosh, <laughs> I feel like a politician now. It's both. No, uh, you can. <laughs> well, okay, listen, okay. I, I can get sometimes. by with both. Okay. Yeah. So here's why I say both. It's underrated in that I think when I wrote my very first book, actually in 1984, wow. so I was 24 years old didn't know what the heck I was doing. Mm -hmm. I, I want to go back and apologize to everyone who read the book, you know, back then. But, um, but uh, what was so fun that was underrated in my mind was how I might travel to another place, another city 
and meet somebody and they say, you changed my life. Wow. And I'd never met him before. Yeah. I, I'd never met him. Wow. So I think that was huge. Underrated, or excuse me, overrated in, I think sometimes people, when they write books, they feel like, oh, I'm going to be a glamorous star now. And I don't think they realize one, the labor that's involved. I have heard it's like giving birth, oh. the labor pains of the months and months and months writing. And then you know what else? It's 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 an, it's a, like the birth in that when you first write the book, you go, oh, it's beautiful, it's baby. and you need, yeah, that's right, like a baby, and you need someone to say, no, it's wrinkled, you know, that sort of thing. <laughs> it's gonna cry, so, uh, poop, everything. That's else. right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, there's five hundred thousand new books written every year, a half a million. Wow. And I know, and I think a lot of them get printed and sit in the garage, you know, and they never really sell more than maybe a hundred or two. So I, I, I always say you, I think everybody's got a, a book in them or at least a large brochure inside. <laughs> of them. And, <laughs> but, but I think we need to be careful and be ready to communicate it when it's time. Yeah. Oh so I'm going to stop that. Absolutely. Love- I'm not even going to answer that question because he just likes drop mic. That's a drop mic. All right. Yeah. I got, I got one last one. I got All one right. last okay. one. And then um, we'll go on to Kim's rapid fire questions. Gen Z in the workplace, overrated or underrated? Wow. Okay. I'm going to give my opinion, as you know, but this is, (laughs) is, I want to say I have reason for my opinion. I think they're underrated. Now, here's why I think a lot of people call them overrated, uh, perhaps. They come in and these kids are audacious because they've already, you know, looked things up and they think they know what they're talking about, blah, blah, blah. So I, I, I get it that maybe bosses are having to navigate a very different animal in that workplace that is called Generation Z. But I actually think that they are the most empowered generation Mm. that's ever been around in our lifetime because they have grown up with a smart device since preschool, many of them. And I think we need to tap into what they offer. I really believe Yeah. And here's another bit of uh, data. Globally, Generation Z has a keener interest in leadership than the last three generations. But I think it's because they look at, well, here's what I think, Kim. I think they look around and they see a lot of um, not so good Mm 60-year-old leaders Mm -hmm. and they go, you're on a power trip. They want to be on a leadership journey as long as it's not a power trip. That's what I like to tell people. So the mm. leadership journey needs to not be a power trip. It needs to be about service. Uh, we like to define it this way. You solve problems and you serve people. You solve problems and you serve Come people. Come on now. Yeah. If we'll do that, and if Gen Z will be trained to do that, right. we will be fine in the future. But that's what we got to do as parents and leaders. Yep. We got to lead the future leaders. Okay. Yeah, that's so right. So if we do this on every podcast, we okay. do what we call rapid fire. I don't want you to think about it. I just want the first thing that okay. pops out of your mouth. Okay. A few questions Uh-oh. before we go. Uh-oh. Um, okay. What is the most comfortable piece of clothing that you own, Tim? Oh, gosh. Um, it's probably a surgeon's smock and outfit <laughs> that I'll write in. I know. And I'm not a surgeon. Oh I'm not a surgeon. I am a- I am a doctor, but I'm not a surgeon. But I'll put this, you know, the the blue or green just uh, scrubs. That is... I got scrubs. I know. And it's just okay, loose. Okay, that's so I can Yeah, it really is. I know. Okay. Oh, my gosh. That's okay. my answer. All right. Next time you're on the show, you're wearing that. Like, I'm that's just, it. We're just going, okay. we're All right. throwing that out there. Okay. All right. What is your favorite song? Oh, gosh. Oh, my gosh. There's so many that I love. 
Do you know the song that I was just asked on walk-up music, you know, for a conference, what's your walk-up music? Yeah. Um, I, boy, I'm going to have to remember the title, but I remember it's. Um, <laughs> sing it if you don't know it. Just sing a little bit of it. Uh, well, do you there mind? You um, no. Ever, ain't never going to break my stride. Ain't no slow me yeah, down. Yeah, that's right. Oh, yes. no. I got to keep on got moving. Got to keep on I moving. I can't tell you that name of that song, but we'll look it up. I can't either. Thank <laughs> you, Jim. You've just made me feel better about my memory. <laughs> but it's a fun song, upbeat, and i that's how I feel. I want to live my life that I'm not breaking stride. I'm going to keep it. moving forward. Oh, God, full stride. I yes. love it. Okay. Matthew Wilder, Break My Stride. Break My Stride. Oh, thank oh, you. Thank you, Zach. Thank you, Google. See, yep. Zach is That's Google right there. Zach, just call Google. me Siri. Just call me Siri. Yep. Okay. I, yes. I always say this. There's nothing that God and Google can't solve. That's what I always say. That's right. Okay. I if agree. You could, if you could be an animal, which animal would you be? Oh, my gosh. I... I want. I think I want to be a leopard. Ooh. I don't fully know why, but I know they're fast yeah. and sharp. Yep. Uh, agile, and I think that's the name of the game today. Agile, not fragile. That's what we're teaching, by the way, when we teach kids social emotional learning. You got to be agile, not fragile. Uh, and I think that's what cougars are. So, um, and they're yeah, absolutely fierce. Absolutely. Yes. Yes, yes, absolutely. That's right. (laughs) Okay. Who is the smartest person you've ever met? Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. And present company is included, so you can feel free. (laughs) Not really. Tim, don't go down that road. That's not authentic. (laughs) Tim Tim Grubbin. Okay. Um, uh, You know, um, let me, can I list a couple? Sure. Um, well, I really do think John Maxwell is smarter than he gives himself credit for. He'll often say, "Oh, I'm just a, I'm just a, you know, I'm just a good old boy." From yeah. Uh-huh. yeah, yeah, good old boy. My friend, I'm, I'm your friend. Yeah. But John processes very quickly. When I'm interacting with him, oh my gosh, he just grasps things uh, and and is able to combine thoughts and come up with things. So John would be right up there. I I love Jonathan Haidt. Mm. Uh, Jonathan is a professor at NYU. Yep. Uh, brilliant man. Uh, and I just, uh, I, he's on my bucket list to meet actually. I wow. want to meet him sometime when I'm up in New York city. So th- those would be a couple that would come to mind. Who is your celebrity crush? Oh, wow. <laughs> careful, careful. I know. Dr. I know. Well, I, I would really like to meet Denzel Washington. Oh, me too. Because yeah, I think he's really gutsy, you yeah. know, and, um, and, and he's a great actor. I just have loved he's him in excellent. films. And of course, yeah, I almost always love the character he plays too. This vigilante, I will make this right here, you know, uh, take no prisoners. Have you so, seen yeah, Book of Denzel. Eli? Have you seen Book of Eli? Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. Oh, I love it. My word. Okay. okay. So powerful. I, kn- so I powerful. knew we were going to be yeah. like brother and sister. Knew it. Yeah, that's okay, right. Last yeah. question. Last question. Uh, what is one thing that no one knows about you that you could share? Oh my gosh. My wife knows, I think she knows about everything. So that would be very difficult. Um, well, this, I don't think this is no one. In fact, I'm sure it's not no one, but I don't talk about it very much. I was in a plane crash 30 years ago. Yeah. And survived obviously. Uh, but that really created a sense of urgency in me that I now look back and realize I, I saw how mortal I am. And yet here I am, you know? Yeah. 
So I think it's the grace of God. I really do. I actually believe in the tangible grace of God. Me too. And I feel like every day since that time has just been a gift from, from, from heaven. Uh, and I want to make the most of it and squeeze the last bit of juice out of that day. Um, but I think it's since I came so close to it's done. Um, well, and my wife got a, my wife got a call from the, con- I was in New Zealand. Mm, my wife got oh a call from God. the consulate and they said, your husband's been in a plane crash, but that's all we know. Thank you very much. Bye. Goodbye. And that's all they said. So she thought, oh, well, it's over. Yep. And then I call her and she goes, who I survives a plane crash. Who yeah. survives a yeah. plane crash? Right. I know. I know. Was yeah. it a small so, plane? Yeah, it was a small plane, but not a small crash. Can I point that out to yeah, you? Sure. Um, <laughs> But yeah, there were four of us in the plane, private plane. We spiraled, went down 120 feet and crash landed. And it, I, I, we all lived, the pilot went through the windshield. So it was a miracle. He's still around. All of us were beaten up pretty badly, but um, it was quite amazing that we, we made it through there. Yeah. Well, I know why you were spared is because you are a true leader's leader. You guys have got to go get Dr. Tim Elmore's book, Eight Paradoxes of Great Leadership. Follow him on all of the social media platforms. Just Google Dr. Tim Elmore. You will not regret it. You have really changed um, the way I look at leadership, not only in my businesses, Dr. Tim, but also in my family. I love you to pieces. Um, I believe in you. I support you. Uh, You are a gift to all of us, especially me. I feel the very same way. Seriously, (laughs) you are a wonderful woman. Hope we get to meet face-to-face sometime, but thanks for letting me... uh, converse with you on the show. That was fun. All right. Till next time, everybody. This is Kim Gravel and Zach saying, share it with a friend if you like this episode and also give us a like and comments about things and topics that you want to hear. But you are our voice and you are our um, family. So let us know what you want to hear, like and share and comment. And uh, till next time, we love you. We are loving out loud today. We're loving oh, out loud. No, 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 no. What? We're leading out loud. Today. Whoa. Okay. Drop mic. Go ahead. Drops the mic. Kim. 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 Gravel. If you love the show, make sure to follow LOL with Kim Gravel in your favorite podcast app. New episodes come out every Thursday. LOL with Kim Gravel is produced and edited by Zach Miller at Uncommon Audio. Theme music by Taco Pella. Head to lolkim.com for more information and to join our mailing list. Thanks for listening.